T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. All right, welcome inside the PGP, the Permission Granted Podcast, the show about the show, the show within the show. We peel back the curtain on the mothership each and every week. You can listen to this on its own podcast feed. You can search Permission Granted. And so you could just listen to the PGP every single week if you want to go behind the scenes only because you listen to the show in radio form or live or what have you. Or you can get it on the normal DA Show podcast feed as well. So simply search the DA Show in your podcast feed and find this every single week. When you do find either one of the podcasts, we would love it and enjoy it and appreciate it if you did rate and review us because that does help other people find the podcast as well. It helps it pop up easier in searches. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for writing the review, and we appreciate your patronage this fine 2020. And because it's nearing the end of 2020 today, as we're taping on Tuesday is December the 1st for Side A, we are now in the final month of the calendar year, which means we begin the 12 days of Christmas. And today was the first team out for the 12 DA. So this is the first four out, and we played Anthony Pierre, no producer extraordinaire behind the scenes. He helps on a lot of other shows, weekend shows, weekend programming, occasionally does some updates as well. He runs the board for Sunday morning football for me. He also handles a lot of sports minutes as well for me. So he does a lot behind the scenes, and he has filled in on the DA show as a producer before. And this week's 12 DA was him going scorched earth on Mraz when during a week off in February after Mraz had, quote, gone on strike, we had interviewed other producers who were interested in taking Mraz's job as executive producer, and AP was the best of the bunch because he just absolutely crushed Mraz and impersonated Mraz's rants and was hysterical. It turns out that this got number 13 in terms of the votes. So this was just outside of the top 12, and we played it today, maybe confusing some people that might have thought it was number 16. It was not. It was number 13. But, Mraz, this was an artistic decision by you, correct? Yes, it was. I Look, I'm not going to act like everything with the 12 DAs is perfect, but my plan here in the first four out was the numbers no longer matter where you're kind of in that foursome out of there because it's not a countdown like the 12 through 1 getting to the best moment. So my theory was start with number 13 as voted on 
because it would lead us with the best bang to start the week. Like, here we are with the 12 DAs, and this is going to make everybody laugh. So I've made the best of the worst four as far as the voting went, the first to play. Was this then the most explosive of the first four out? You know, it's interesting. See, I, I think I look at all these as a baby, and I'm probably too close to it, but I would say this was the most... I think the most laugh out loud funny of the first four where you're going to hold your stomachs at points. So to me, I think if you want to look at it from that way, that was my version of starting with a bang. But I feel like by saying that, that kind of takes away from the other three. So I don't know that that's necessarily fair either. My plan was to do a little sandwich. My favorite two are going to be the one that starts this one and the one that we play on Friday, which I'm not going to reveal yet as well, to kind of make everybody look forward to what's going to start the 12 DAs on Monday. It's interesting because this fell as one of the most unique of the 12 DAs. It ranked very high on two lists, both Bogish and Bilotti, although I don't know how high it was on Bogish's list because on Bilotti's, I think he ranked it maybe number two. It was definitely in the top three for him. I, I mean, I, I have the numbers all in front of me. I am like the Joe Lenardi of the 12 DAs here. Okay, tell, so it's interesting because, he had it. because Pete had it. Yes, so where did Pete have it? Uh, Pete had it. I have Bogus. Just hold on. Pete had it. Um, at no, Bogus had it higher. Pete had it at number ten. Oh, okay. So Bogus had it where? Number seven. So they didn't have it that high. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking of a different twelve DA that Pete had really, really high, and none of us had very high, and that dropped it far. That but will so- be put it this way. One of the ones you hear over the next two days will be what Pete had in his top five, and none of us had in our top twelve. Sorry, that's what I thought this one was. Okay, okay. so then this is appropriate. It, it comes in at number 13. Bogues had a number 7. Pete had a number 10. All right. So we're going to start off, though, with already, you know, a couple of these, as you said, where one or two people have it really high, the other people don't have it on the list, and it ends up sinking it like a rock. So We'll see how that affects the rest of the of the vote. I will say that the boss has really enjoyed today's today's twelve DA of Christmas. I got a personal text about it. Did you really? Okay. Yeah. Thought it was very funny. So I wonder if it's because there was just inherent funniness in it, or that there's something about the newsroom culture that everybody uh. recognizes that kind of came out that you know, it spoke to something around everybody. I mean, Zach Gelb's tweeting about it. Oh, look, anytime we could start a little buzz around the, the opening of the 12 DAs, like it was opening day for people here with the 12 DAs with the first four out, and if that many people are committed, I think it's great. I just am trying very hard here as we tape this on the PGP not to get suckered into the first one playing being a lot of people taking a run at me and saying that speaks <laughs> to something in the newsroom because I have learned my lessons in the past. I have taken others down with me, and I am trying to not do that because I do love all, and I don't want people thinking I'm some kind of head case. So I, I am not going to take the bait here. And I feel like that is where you're trying to swim me into here today. Well, let's just go back to the origins of this. You had t- Why were you on strike again back in okay. February? I'm glad you brought this up because this is part of why I love doing the PGP during the 12 DAs is you kind of forget how things spiral into one another and what leads to this. Anthony Pierno applying for my job is a direct result of the Astros cheating scandal. How? (laughs) Well, what happened was when the Astros whole cheating thing came down, I was furious about it. Obviously, the Yankees having just lost in the ALCS and 
the couple years prior losing to the ALCS and the fact that you guys basically had made those montages mocking me for Piggy Doodle Dandy with all my proclamations about how the Yankees would beat the Astros with the song and what a disgrace, what an embarrassment I am. And I demanded an apology from you guys. I said, you guys are going to use me as a punchline and make fun of all my guarantees. Well, now we find out that the Yankees were robbed by teams cheating. And you guys refused. There was going to be no apology. So I stuck my foot in the ground. I said, I'm going on strike until I get an apology. And I went on strike, and that led to the infamous day with the picket signs. And Ridgely came in before his terrible Angels in the Outfield story, and he was doing my job. One of our then, listeners, Ridgely, offered right. to come into the studio to produce back when we could just have strangers come into right. the studio. Right. right. Imagine that happening now. And he produced... In Mraz's place, as Mraz had a picket sign and refused to, to work. Right. And it should be noted, I had no idea you guys were bringing in a listener. I didn't even know who this guy was when he came in. This was a long thing that came out of this. So that was a Thursday. I broke the picket line on Friday. It was the worst strike ever. I came back on a Friday. Then I was off the following week for paternity leave as my daughter was only a month old, in which case you guys drummed up this idea that every day you would bring in a different member <laughs> from behind the scenes to apply for my job. And obviously the one that stood out the most of the five if you will, was the Anthony Pierno that made you guys laugh the hardest that immediately became the representation of my strike as a 12-DA candidate with this one. So it all started with the Astros. That's how we got here. It is truly amazing that something as memorable and as kooky as you going on strike and us interviewing other producers that basically roasted you for the entire week when you were gone could only rank number 13. That's how goofy this entire year has been. It's incredible. And I, again, I think if you are somebody who loves this, and we have so many listeners who have been tweeting about me about this and how much they can't wait for it. It's something that they love all year. I mean, think about what a good moment that was. So what does that mean for what's to come? I, I Again, I think this is such a deep list because other years we've had such an obvious one and you kind of love it. This year, I don't think there was an obvious number one, and as a result, you have just such a loaded, parody-filled list that results in that being played as your first of the first four out. (laughs) It's great. It also speaks to this ongoing storyline that maybe I've concocted out of nowhere, but maybe there's some truth to it, that there is some newsroom resentment towards you, and that AP, Pierno kind of captured that, and I thought that when I threw the bait out there today for Pete to take it, he would have said, yeah, everybody hates Mraz back here in the studio. I'm coming into the office every single day. Mraz is at home. All these producers are. He's staying at home. I thought he was going to take the bait. Were you surprised that Pete really did not attack you in a way that he could have? Because I opened it wide for him. You, you did open it. I'm thankful that he didn't. But I do think, if nothing else, Pete is honest, which is going to get to another 12DA at some point, that maybe I should have taken Pete's honesty a little bit true. And I think I might be kind of in a scenario where it's out of sight, out of mind. Even those who are coming to the studio aren't really dealing with anybody else in the studio. You're kind of saying distant from everybody, the true. way the interchanges the studio. And I think we are in a kind of mindset right now, if you're going anywhere, especially into an office for work, you're kind of still isolated by yourself where I think there are some things that are out of sight, out of mind. And without me kind of, you know, talking it up in the newsroom and being isolated as we all are from our own little home studios now, I do think, not that I'm forgotten about this person because, you know, a lot of the producers are listening to the show, but more they're not as bothered because they're not as focused and maybe me annoying them in person is not going down. Right. 
when you're all together assembled in the newsroom and the night show folds over into the morning show and the morning show into the daytime shows and the daytime shows into the evening shows, everybody's there all of the time. And so you're front and center and reminded that you're goofing off, you're eating another slider, you're leaving early, you know, all of the things that people might resent about you. But if you're just home, I think you're right, out of sight, out of mind, and maybe some of that resentment has has dwindled because I can tell you that week that we did this back in February, I mean, people were coming out of the woodwork. They wanted to be part of the roast. I mean, I, I had one or two guys booked and then others were like, oh, I want to do it. No, I want to do it. No, I want to take down Mraz. So there definitely was, I mean, remember, De Celestino took you down. Pierna took you down. Samter took you down. There was, everybody just wanted a piece of you that week. They did, and I, I remember distinctly being off and getting the texts and bombardment of people who were either supporting me or hating me saying, can you believe this or can you believe they're doing this? Yeah, that was a tough week. There definitely was a lot of that, a lot of that resentment. I also think that, you know, the wound is not as fresh. Not that a wound is the wrong word, but, you know, you got to remember, February, we're a month into doing this morning show where I seemingly had been, you know, elevated by management into something. And I think that that was really sticking the crow people. I think now we are so much in the world has changed and maybe you're not sweating the small stuff. And we're basically a year since then hmm. where, again, I think some of that bother with people has worn off a bit, too. Which is also the beauty of 12 DAs because by capturing Pierno's real emotion there, I don't know that you're getting that same emotion on December 1st as you were back on February 1st. So it's good to encapsulate that. But I, I, I think what whatever was ailing those people towards me is probably healed and maybe not to my own doing, but because of just the way the world's changed this year. <laughs> I think you're right. I think, you think I I'm think, right. You like that. Okay. I think 10 months ago there was a lot more angst towards you. And <laughs> right? 10 months later, maybe people got <laughs> humbled by the – by the pandemic and said it's not that big a deal to hate Mraz anymore. Yeah, see, that's good. You realize it's not the small stuff. There's no need to hate me. People <laughs> like me. Well, I'm super excited for this. I will say, though, that you had mentioned that you thought that Pete was a little overwhelmed today. Yes. What do you think we can do in the future to alleviate that so that he's not feeling the crunch? Because here's the thing. We joke about it, but this whole house search for Pete is definitely pressing on him. I mean... It's now Thanksgiving's past. We've got Christmas coming up here. They've wanted to be out of that house or out of the apartment for a while now. They've looked at so many houses. They've put down bids. They've gone on inspections. I mean, there, there's a lot of work and paperwork that gets filed and all this stuff. I mean, it is a wait, and now you have the holidays, and so things are going to dry up. People are not going to be showing mm-hmm. houses as much, et cetera. But I think that definitely has put a pressure point yeah. on on Pete. And so what can we do now well, to alleviate that from him over the course of the next few weeks? I think in summation, what you have to understand is under normal circumstances, let's pretend for a second everybody's life is normal and the world is normal. The holidays, with all the joy they come with, are a stressful time. We're spending money. We're obviously you know trying to figure out what to get people. There's presents. There's gatherings. There's this, that. Now you throw in a pandemic where you don't even know who you can see, what you can see. Our store is going to close. Do I even have the money with cutbacks and all this other stuff for certain stuff? Now you throw in the fact that Pete is a first-time father during the holidays. Then you throw in the fact that, let's not forget, his wedding anniversary is right before Christmas. So he has mm. that going on. Then you throw in the fact that he doesn't even know where he's going to be living in a month that is quite a blender so now the one thing that he has consistent 
is being the associate producer, musical engineer, everything that comes with his job on the DA show. And you throw for a loop now. We're starting the 12 DAs. I sent a bunch of emails yesterday. I spent the, you know, a lot of the day editing a lot of the things on Monday afternoon. Then we throw in, there was a segment we did with Charger highlights where we had to grab them, cut them up. The moment Pete has to do added work on top of all the added stress in his life, it's not that Pete won't do the work, but boy, is he going to be annoyed to do it. So as far as alleviating it, I mean, we never run the ball. We are a run-and-gun offense. I think Pete's wish would probably be that in in radio terms that for the next month we kind of run the ball. Like we have 12 DAs. We know what we're doing with sound check. We have our show every day. Let's not create even more bits on top of this. And I think throwing him for a loop with the Charger bit where we were playing the Lynn with the music, I think just even though it was a small thing, I think it broke Pete's will. And then you throw in maybe some tapings post-show that we might have to do with podcasts and stuff. And it's it's a lot, and he's a one-man band back there, as a lot of the shows are from home. And I think we have the most elements to it. So I understand and I feel for Pete's stress. I laugh at it because Pete puts it in such an animated way that it does entertain me, even if that's crude or cruel. Uh, but as far as the answer, outside of just running the ball and simplifying the show a bit, which I can't expect us to do, I don't know that we can do anything to help Pete out here. I like how you put that. We, we're we a run-and-gun offense. We don't run the football, but maybe we should try. Right. This is like the greatest show on turf with a lead. Can you hold on to right. it? Can we you air it football? out, and I think from Pete's standpoint, every day is a new, like, do we need this? Do we need to do this now? We're already doing this. And, and to Pete's credit, and we didn't even mention this, and maybe it's worth mentioning, we have done, since the pandemic, and really found a winner with this date in Mothership history. Yeah. which has been a great segment, and it should be noted, you didn't hear this date Mothership History on Tuesday show, and there's a good chance you may not hear one for the next month, because Pete's idea was, since we're already doing a throwback, so to speak, with the 12 DAs, why do another look-back segment with this date? Which was a great idea from Pete, but make no bones about it, that was about one thing and one thing only, lightening his workload before <laughs> the show, because it's one less thing he has to do. It did kill two birds with one stone for Pete. It was a very good idea, because you're right, you can't if we're going to run the 12 days of Christmas twice every single morning, you can't dedicate three segments of a 12-segment show, like a quarter of the show dedicated to looking back on previous yes. shows every yes. single day. Oh, he's right about that, for sure. He is right, but it also alleviated, yeah, some of his work right. his workload. Put it this way. It was right. It was a great idea, but don't think because it was a great idea is why he brought it to the table. <laughs> he brought it to the table because he saw an opening to lighten his workload. So let's go into the, the Chargers thing. The, the Chargers, the end of the Chargers game against the Bills was so remarkably memorable, and yet many people don't realize that it happened because right. not many people were watching Chargers and Bills in the early window. It wasn't in a lot of households nationwide. Chargers are obviously out of it. It ends up looking on the, on the score sheet as just a 10-point Bills win. In fact, a lot of Bills fans unhappy because it was kind of a quote-unquote ugly win by the Bills. At the end of this game, though, is complete a complete circus. It is craziness as Anthony Lynn, in no uncertain terms, botches clock management worse than Andy Reid could have ever dreamt in his greatest, wildest dreams of botching clock management. So I'm like, you know what? This is such a good story that gets buried on a Monday because nobody watched it that we have to redo this. This is so good, and it's perfect DA show fodder because it's a total calamity that we can make fun of. So I'm thinking to myself, it's so bad it's good that an ironic twist would be to play music under it, but let's play 
opera music <laughs> under it, like it's this kind of beautiful opera of, of tragedy. So this is what we're talking about when it's more on Pete's plate today. There were five different audio clips that had to be played in succession. I was tossing to each one of them, so timing is important there and cues are important than playing music under it and having the right music under it. I thought the whole thing actually worked. I thought it was really good and really funny, too. and it'll be one of our clips that we send out for social media and put on YouTube. So ultimately, I think it was worth running the play, but what you're saying is it's one of those plays that we run that might go for a big strike, but we might not need it because we're already up 31. Yes, so I, that's exactly right. So when I saw this, I thought it was a great idea. But I think when you look at it, like you're right, it's, it's, it enhances, and people are, may walk away with thinking that was their favorite segment of the show. But I guess the question then is asked, did we, would we have not have had a great show without that segment would, if I'm playing the mind of Pete? And I think we still would have had a great show without that. But adding now... You also have to realize it's not just like the highlights we grabbed, and I'm speaking from somebody behind the scenes now in that role, were highlights that were just, they were already cut and we had them, so it's just, it's not big a deal. Hey, here they are in our system that's in front of Pete, just click and play. There was actual digging and cutting and everything that had to be done to get them, then the music looping. So you're adding all the extra work into playing it, which makes this segment what it is. I mean, you work hard for the great segment, but if I had to get inside the mind of Pete, and this isn't. I think he's right for thinking this way, too. It's There's enough going on with our show with a million moving parts in the morning. Throw on top of it that he's the only person back at the studio he could have done without having to play the symphony orchestra (laughs) and go find all these highlights that weren't already there. Pete would have preferred if I just read the play-by-play sheet and then you and I ripped it. Right, exactly. Let's just go through the public. So they did this and they did that. Now, obviously, if you're listening, the highlights and the music make the segment even better. So I'm totally in favor and I understand why it works. But I also understand Pete, where Pete's frustration would come from. Now, that being said, Pete executed, Pete delivered, and neither here nor there, Pete did a great job and the show sounded better for it. One final note on side A. You had given... Connor Green, a lot of gloss going into week number one of his Sunday morning football tenure. He had taken over the reins as executive producer of Sunday morning football. Week one, he had booked Tom Flores, Super Bowl winning head coach of the the Raiders back in the early 80s. Tom Flores was great. Week two, he had booked Gary Brackett. Now, a tough week. It's a Thanksgiving week, so a lot of people might be traveling, can't do it. We wanted to get a Colts guest on because the Colts had just come off that big win over the Packers. and They were playing a big game against the Titans. He had booked Gary Brackett, who was a big pass rush linebacker for that Colts team that won the Super Bowl back in 2006, I guess it was, with Peyton Manning. We promote Brackett. We have him teed up. Brackett never calls on Sunday. So we are left holding the bag. No guest on Sunday morning football in the second week of Connor Green taking over. What do you think? Uh, I'm not going to blame Connor for that. Unfortunately, No, you can't blame him. But it, it stinks. I will tell you that Connor had reached out to me way earlier in the week, and I didn't know he had Gary Brackett, and he asked me for a, if I had a contacts of you know so-and-so players. Actually, Gary Brackett wasn't one of them, and I didn't have his contact, but I could tell you guys are going down the Colts route. I gave him what I had. I wished him good luck. He never came back to me after that, which means whatever I gave him didn't work out, and he actually dug and did the job of finding Gary Brackett and his contacts, so I give him a ton of credit for there. But I've been there as a producer, man. That's It stinks, and there, there's no more – Empty feeling because as a host, okay, you're, you're told what you're getting from your producer. You prepare for an interview. You prepare that that segment is going to be filled with an interview. 
You sit there, all of a sudden the guy doesn't answer the phone, and as a producer, basically you can only convey to the host so much, like, hey, we're waiting on him, he's still not there. As a host, they're scrambling. It's an empty feeling for everybody, but in the end, you know, okay, a host will get through it. Maybe the audience won't really even notice anything was wrong, but as a producer, you just feel like absolute crap because the one big jewel you got, whatever big guest that was supposed to be highlighted, especially when you're a new producer to this role like Connor, falls through, and now all of a sudden you feel like there is, you know, the game's coming at you fast, it's a sinking feeling, and okay, you could buy a week, sorry DA, and you'll understand, but now you can't have that happen two weeks in a row, which can happen as well, and that becomes that heart-racing, calming, I need something trustworthy feeling, and and that as a producer to me is the most difficult anxiety ridden part uh, in radio. It's just it's things that you can't control that you set up falling through, and that's spiraling into something and trying to prevent that where it's not even your fault. So you're saying you got to go to an Andrew Catalan right now to get him on Sunday morning football. So <laughs> here you could do one of two things. It, you could either go to something that you know will absolutely be there because you have some relationship or you know that person has a relationship, or you could swing for the fences again, and it likely will work out because uh, you know the chances of somebody doing that two weeks in a row is there. But if it doesn't, now as a producer you have real egg on your face because you failed two weeks in a row even if you haven't technically been the one that failed and that is a sinking feeling and i know that's the worry going in connor breen connor green's brain right now is oh my goodness this can't happen two weeks in a row yeah because he wants to do well he of really course does. he doesn't want to he doesn't want to shut shut out it's a tough spot he and can't. it happens to every producer by the way you can be the greatest producer of all time you can yep. be the worst producer of all time a guest is going to screw you over it's just going to happen. But to happen this early on into his tenure, I do feel bad for him. Yep. So we'll see how this week's Sunday morning football goes. I am off on Wednesday morning. I can't wait because Little Mo's going to have a street dedicated to him in Baltimore. So awesome. So I'm going to be there and push it out on social media as well so people can follow me on Instagram at Damon Amendo so that they can see the sights and sounds of this. I'm really excited. Did you happen to get to see the NFL Network special Gift of Gabba that was about 15 minutes long last week with Melissa Stark that we talked about? I did not see that live, but that's on a list of three things I have in my phone queued up to do today when I uh, go work out at the gym. That is on a, a now that you've pumped that YouTube thing. I didn't catch it live because I was out, but I am going to be watching that today ahead of tomorrow's big day for Mo. Yeah, be, be forewarned. It's one of those one of those moments that is so sentimental and and emotional that I mean by the end of it I was really sobbing but I was yeah. also laughing because his spirit and his laughter and his happiness is captured so well by it that it it perfectly encapsulates Mo's story but it's really if you haven't seen it it's available on YouTube just search Mo Gabba G-A-B-A and uh. it's called The Gift of Gabba it's about 15 minutes long done by NFL Network and it's posted by the Baltimore Ravens man yeah, my- it's phenomenal. My sister said she had to actually get up from where she was and take a walk after watching it, too, that I really got her. So, yeah, yeah, it sounds like it was really well done. And obviously, this is a big day for Mo and his family. And I'm I'm happy you could go down there. This is it, it's emotional, but it's a great day. And I can't wait to see everything you've documented since I can't be there. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Can you believe our little Mo's <laughs> getting a street named after him? It's truly unbelievable. <laughs> It's truly unbelievable, and I know you know Baltimore is obviously not a far ride from where we are in New York. Obviously, pre-pandemic, it was someplace I like to get to at least once a year. I love the area around Camden Yards and M&T Bank and the Inner Harbor, and 
just to know how many times I've been down there going to games, walking around, and the idea that Arlo is going to have a street named after him down there is is truly unbelievable. And I, I can't wait until this whole thing is over and the world is, is normal. And maybe I can go catch a Yankees and O's game and, and go there and just, you know, pay my respects at the street because that it's just it's unbelievable. And nobody deserves it more than him. It is. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable if you went back in our archives and heard little Mo's voice call us in the middle of the night and beg on Chubbo Nation and, you know, talk about whatever. It's impossible to believe that that young man has a street named after him. I, but, ironically, the original producer interview, right, was a little, was a little yeah, more to take right. my job after that 12DA that played on Tuesday. That's right. So good. So that's where I'll be on Wednesday morning. I'm back on Thursday. Bogues and Mraz have you in good hands. So listen to that on Wednesday morning. And now the two of them have side B. And welcome into Side B of the PGP. It is Mraz, host of Side B, joined by the bogiest of mans, Andrew Bogish, on the first PGP of December. Andrew, hello. How are you? First of December and like our seventh consecutive hour of talking to each other today. So this should be really fun. Yes, yes. We are taping this immediately following Wednesday show. So we tape Side A. You just listened to that immediately following Tuesday show. We are taping Side B following Wednesday show a day where DA has obviously gone down to Baltimore to be part of some great, great festivities down there. And there's Bogus and I doing the DA show. Boy, we were at each other's throats over things like Home Alone and others. But I do want to start with the 12 DAs. We are now, at the time of us taping this, two first four outs from the 12 DAs. And one thing that DA and I really tackled in Side A that I'm curious to get your thoughts on because you and Pete the Body were two people that had the Anthony Pierno interview for my job in your top 12 in votes. Now, we don't want to reveal the full top 12, nor do I want to reveal everybody's votes necessarily, but I we have already established that you and Bilotti valued that very high, and me and DA did not include it in our top 12, and thus it ended up as the very first of the first four out, causing a wave of controversy, it seemed, on Twitter on Tuesday night, from workers at CBS Sports Radio, employees at CBS Sports Radio, that thought that that was an absolute screw job, that I had screwed that out of its proper billing. Your thoughts on where Anthony Piano interviewed for my job fell as far as being the first of the first four out in the 12 DAs? I mean, I was certainly disappointed that it did not make the actual list. I did have the mistaken perception when we aired it that it was, again, so these are, these are 16 segments you're getting that's the 12 da's plus the next four out i thought it was number 16 since it was playing first but you have those first four out just organized not in order so it may be 13 and it may be really close to have to have been number 12 um i i just you know the problem so to speak is the first like five or six basically if i'm remembering correctly are kind of set in stone everyone had a different order to them but like there's five, six locks that are no doubt in this list. After that, they do become somewhat interchangeable. So I understand why this one missed, unless it really, really, really missed. But I mean, I just, I loved it because I love Pierno and the idea that with you constantly telling us how you're a man of the people and you represent the every man and the blue collar worker, that all of the blue collar workers in the office have different levels of like distaste for you is a great storyline. It's not completely real. I'm sure there is again, some 
pettiness going, but like that's that's true of every place and everybody. And like just like there are anchors who don't like that I have an easier shift than them. I'm sure they talk smack about me. So all that stuff exists all over the place. Um, but it is it is one of my favorite ways to mess with you. And Pierno did it. I mean, perfectly. The fake. The Jets rant that was like your Shermer rant, everything, the Flintstones joke about history and people and dinosaurs. I mean, it was just, it was a complete, complete, complete home run from him. And I thought it deserved a little more love. So obviously it would not be the 12 DAs any one of these years without some kind of controversy and people having an issue. But to me, I agree with you. I think it was a great moment for all of those. And you know I could take a ribbing on all of that. And I went back and I listened to all of these, and I think it was probably properly slotted as the very first of the first four out. Not ranked at 60, but ranked at 13. I know that's confusing because of the way we played it. But I did want to start the week with a bang from the producing side of playing these. I, I think when people complain right off the jump, because this, this happens to tell you every year. Whenever we play the first one, people are immediately, oh, that's ridiculous that that was rated there. To me, doesn't it just speak to the strength of what we're about to embark on and play over the next three weeks? Is that if that is ranked there, well, what goodness is still to come? And I just show, I think it just shows what an awesome year we've had on the DA show that that can be ranked there. I don't look at that as a negative. I mean, that's certainly, no, it's not, it's not a negative. It's certainly good news for what's still to come. But it just, at least for me, at times, it feels like that almost seems cocky to say, like, well, don't be surprised that this is 13 because we've got 12. Like, it's a pl- it is a compliment to us that something that's that funny and that entertaining doesn't make a top 12 list. But I just I don't like saying it because we're involved. And if somebody else on the outside says it, that's great. Thank you so much. But like when we say it, I don't want to I don't want to sound like conceited or anything like that. So I hesitate to to use that rationale. But it is kind of the truth in that like there's too many good things to just get down to 12 okay and on that note the second one we played on tuesday show da wasn't a part of was me believing that maybe the guy who invented the keto diet was named phil keto and the fact that i didn't lose 100 pounds which obviously sparked plenty of conversation that was the original deal at the beginning of the year do you feel like that had proper billing as being a first four out didn't really deserve a top 12 ranking so truth be told when you sent out like the rundown of nominees, and I don't remember how many there were, but there were a lot of them. I didn't, just reading Phil Keto did not trigger anything in my head. I, I, I said, what what is that? Like, I don't, rem- I know, do I remember you having the conversation about mashed potatoes being a health food? Yes. Do I remember <laughs> the bet of losing 100 pounds? Absolutely. Do I remember that the, the Bulls, the Nets-Bulls game and... I remembered everything about it except the Phil Keto part. So, like, I needed that to that part of my memory to be jogged. That was a tough one for me to leave off. Um, I don't remember exactly where it was on my list, but that was one that was a struggle in that bottom portion, like on the on the threshold of voting, because it is not the funniest clip in and of itself. But that was such and continues to be such a huge theme of the show is this not weight loss and the fact that you gained weight, let alone lost any. I mean, like that for its significance to the storylines of the show, it deserves a lot of love. Um, But without my list in front of me, not knowing exactly where I put it, I think it was in a problem in that same spot where it could have been number eight instead of number 13 or 14. So I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I guess this is more of an indictment of me issue, a problem with me, is that, I mean, look, there's only so many moments where I say something stupid that 
falls through that we could put. I mean, we can't make all 12 of those. So I have no issue with that being in the first four out. But, yeah, it's interesting that you didn't remember the Phil Keto part of it because that, when I read it, was like the thing I did remember. And when I try to save these files throughout the year, and that was Andrew Kaplan who saved, sent us all the saved files, is obviously I'm not in the studio to access them like I was. You try to save them with, like, the, the key memorable point, and I thought Phil Keto was way more memorable than mashed potatoes are healthy there. But you're saying the opposite, which I find interesting. <laughs> Well, just in just in my head, maybe not for everybody else, but in my head, Phil Keto did not ring a bell immediately. Okay, all right, interesting, interesting take. Now, I do want to say we are going to push swing and a miss. We're going to do that next week. I know people have been asking about that. We're going to bring that back next week. I see even you, Andrew Bogus, asking that. But as we transition away from the twelve DAs, a major controversy, and I'm sure DA will have his thoughts on this when he returns, and maybe by the time people listen to this, DA's already had his thoughts. I took the Twitter, obviously, to take down Home Alone. I knew what I was doing. I did, I believe what I was saying, but I knew it was going to cause quite the stir, and I couldn't believe the uproar caused with all of you guys, and we debated this a lot on the show. But I do think as we peel back the curtain, and maybe we get less off the Home Alone debate, I have been ripping off movies left and right that I feel are better. So I'm actually curious now, Bogus, now that we're off the air and here doing this podcast, you seem to be in Home Alone's corner. I would like your top five Christmas movies. Well, so before I give you top five, the, my, my developing problem with this debate, and because I'm now reading through tweets people sent us during the show, is I, I, I think, and, he, and you did this, it's not right or wrong, it's just we're comparing Home Alone to movies that I wouldn't compare Home Alone to. Like, I, it doesn't fit in every single Christmas movie, and like this is wide-ranging category. I mean, it's a right. kid's movie. Like, I, I, like I, do I want to watch it? Absolutely not. When my did I want to show it to my kids when they were old enough? I definitely did. Like, but I want to watch Elf because I want to be entertained by Elf. I'd watch Bad Santa again because I would be entertained by Bad Santa because so you're it's an adult movie. With me, bogus. No, because I don't. But I don't think it sucks. I think it's just different. I, I don't like Christmas. Even Christmas Vacation. That's not a kids movie. Like it's funny because it's still funny. To a forty-year-old, like it was funny when you were sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, or however old you were the first time you saw it. So, okay, like, but so Home take, Alone take is the, not take that. The word, but take the word "sucks" out of it for a second. Just take the word "sucks" out of it. Would you agree that the reason we love Home Alone is because of our nostalgia for Home Alone? Well, because also because we liked it when we saw it. That's why it's nostalgic because it's a good movie when you're eight to 15 i don't know like whenever you whenever you grow out of like laughing at Pratt falls and stuff like that it's good then like he-man was my favorite show growing up it was good then i don't want to watch he-man now but that doesn't mean that he-man sucks okay so that that's kind of where i think our definition on sucks differs a little bit to me christmas movies are different than other movies as a genre because every year if you make a Christmas movie that people liked at one time when they saw it, it is going to get replayed. And, and inevitably, if you scan the TV, you're going to see it, even if you don't see it front to back, at some point every year. And I think for it to be a good Christmas movie and not suck, I think you need to have some rewatchability to it. And I don't think Home Alone has that. I really don't. I don't but now it doesn't. I think that's the problem. I think you age out of it. So like that's why I think your opinion now is tainted sure. by your age so and and the other movies that you're saying are better which is fine because i I mean i I would put elf if i had to on a list above this christmas vacation above home alone but like i'm still stuck on it sucks it doesn't suck it's just not a movie for adults and so like it's so so it's not gonna be you're not gonna want to rewatch it now like 
Or I'm an adult. As an adult, I think the movie sucks. As a kid, I didn't. Yeah, I just I don't I don't think it sucks because I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's a bad movie. It just runs out of intrigue when you're not laughing anymore about a dude tripping on micro machines for the thirteenth time. I think I think what we're finding out here, bogus, is me and you are more in lockstep on Home Alone than you admit, and we're just having a little split in the hairs on our definition of sucks. I think that's no. What I think you here. don't know how to. I don't think you know what sucks means when you the way you were talking about it, as if it was a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just a kids movie. It's not a movie for adults. Well, it's a bad adults movie. But it's not supposed to be that. Ah, so that means so 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 Chucky is a bad kids movie because it goes it's bad for kids. It's not supposed to be a kids movie. You can't say that either. Hmm. I don't know. I think you can't say you kids. can't say Freddy Krueger is a bad kids character because he's not for kids. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think everybody here listening now knows you agree with me, but that's neither here nor there. So, do you have your top five? Christmas I'm sure, your family before? thinks that I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of them like Home Alone. Do you have a top five Christmas movies? I'm curious. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing that we haven't discussed already. So, I mean, Christmas Vacation, Elf, Bad Santa, this Home Alone. But I like. I'm also terrible at lists. I could be forgetting Elf right now and not saying it out loud. So, I mean, there's nothing. There's gotcha. nothing. There's, I've got no cool, like trendy. Nobody's heard of it, or like some kind of cult Christmas movie it's- following. They're all fine. Is Home Alone your favorite, ki- like favorite Christmas movie for your kids? Um, I certainly prefer it better than A Christmas Story. So, so yes. Okay, so but your kids personally, if you're asking them, hey, what Christmas movie do you want to watch? They're going to go Home Alone. No, they they're way too um, in the moment now. So like, there's this thing called Jingle Jangle on Netflix they've watched and listened to the soundtrack a bazillion times already. Oh, um, Christmas Chronicles two is out there now too. So they might say one of those before. Although my daughter might give you Elf, um, but okay. I don't, I don't know if they would pick Home Alone. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think Elf would be a. See, that's what I think. I think Elf has something for everybody. See, Elf. That's why Elf's great. I do. I think kids can love Elf. I think adults can love Elf. I'm gonna stick to my Home Alone take. And on that note, Bogus, we're you gonna wrap that. it up here. We're gonna wrap it up here. It's been a fun morning with you. Uh, remember, you can download this PGP uh, anywhere that that podcast can be downloaded, and especially all over that Radio.com app. Bogus, you can follow yourself on Twitter. At Andrew Bogish. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Marez. Have a great week, everyone. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.